We are starting a new series entitled Prayer That Works. Uh, for the next uh, few weeks, we're going to focus on the topic of prayer. Uh, before I jump in, I hope that you guys enjoyed the last series created for significance, uh, and I hope that that was a blessing uh, to you guys. A good, he's not here, but uh, give Damarin a great big hand again for the message on last Sunday. Uh, as he closed out uh, that series. And me and him uh, talked about it, and it's funny, when he asked to have uh, the table and the, and the stool, I, I told him, I said, thank you, Damarin. I said, because I've been wrestling with this for like a couple of weeks that I wanted to get rid of the podium and bring the stool and the table out. But for some reason, every time Sunday came around, I, did, I just got, I don't know, I just got scared, I guess, and I didn't want to do it. So he gave me a reason to get that out of the way, and, and, and so... Uh, uh, I'm excited about that. And so as we look at this series, Prayer That Works, I want to ask this question this morning. How many of us have ever made or asked the question, does prayer really work? Um, it, 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 does God really hear me? Does, does, does God uh, uh, really care about the things that I am praying about? Uh, does God actually really answer prayer? I, I've seen other people, right, uh, say that God has answered their prayer, but for some reason, I just feel like my prayers are not being answered. And friends, that's the purpose of this series, uh, is that we want to focus in on questions like that and, and hopefully be able to answer them uh, and many more. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Um, that's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And then in this passage of scripture, as you find it, uh, this passage of scripture is Jesus responding uh, to his disciples request to teach us how to pray. And so that is our subject for today is Lord, teach us how to pray. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. If you have it, say, I've got it. If you need more time, say, I need more time. All right. It's also on the screen as well. And uh, we're reading from the New Living Translation that says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then Jesus teaching them more about prayer. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I cannot help you. But I tell you, I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking you will find. Keep on knocking 
the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your fathers, if you fathers, if your children ask for a, a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Lord, we thank you for uh, this opportunity uh, just to spend time talking about prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, for this example of the disciple who asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. And God, this morning, no matter where we are in our life, maybe we have been a believer for a long time. Maybe we are a new believer or maybe this morning we are not a believer yet. I pray, God, that wherever we are in our spiritual journey, that, God, that we understand that there is something that we need to learn more about prayer in our life. And so, God, open our ears, open our hearts, and open our minds so that we can hear and that we can receive and understand what your word has for us today. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. amen. Many of us in the room would probably admit that uh, our prayer life is not 100% where it needs to be. That, that in, in, in some area of our prayer life, there is a place that we can make improvement. I thought about this story about a lady uh, who one day um, decided and, pro and, and pronounced to her coworkers that she was going on a diet. And so she, she went on a diet. She let everybody know because she wanted them to be her accountability partners. Well, the next day, uh, the lady showed up to work with a nice big piece of chocolate cake. And her coworkers were a little bit confused and stunned by this. They asked her, they said, is, is chocolate cake on your diet plan? And, and her response to them was, well, uh, the other day I was, I was driving and I was going to the grocery store and, and in the parking lot uh, in that strip of that grocery store is my favorite bakery. And as I was driving by, I saw in the window that they had a nice, beautiful chocolate cake. And I prayed in that moment. I said, God, if it's your will for me to have a piece of that cake, I want you to make a parking space available right in front of, of the store. And so as she looped around the parking lot 10 times, eventually a parking space opened up and she said, my prayer has been answered. <laughs> friends, friends, we struggle with knowing how to pray what to pray for, and even how prayer works in our lives. So this morning, we, we just want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about uh, the example that Jesus gives us of prayer and, and what it should mean in all of our lives. The first thing we need to see is that prayer is all about relationship, not results. Prayer is all about relationship, not results. Just like everything else in the Christian life, it is about having a relationship with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. Everybody prays in one form or another. But the issue is not the fact that we don't pray. It is what we pray for, and sometimes it's who we're praying to. 
Friends, think about it. How many people do we know when it comes lottery time, right, they pray that they have the winning ticket? Somebody, some of us in the room have done that. Amen. Right. How many, how many of us uh, have prayed for our favorite team to win the championship? How many criminals right before being sentenced pray that maybe they will get off or somehow get a lenient sentence? The reality is that they are expecting results. But the question is, do they have a relationship? Prayer is bigger and just getting the answers and the results that you want. Prayer is about building a relationship with God that you need in your life. See, every relationship is built on what? Communication. You, you can't have a successful relationship without communication. Uh, and, and by definition, at the simplest form, prayer is simply just communicating and talking with God, being vulnerable enough, being, being humble enough to go to God and simply have a conversation. And friends, it's through that conversation that we get to know him more, mm-hmm. that, that we get to, to understand his will for our lives, that, that we get to see how much he cares for us, that we begin to learn how to trust him and how he will guide our lives. Think about Think about your relationships, whether it's a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with your children, relationship uh, with your friends. The people that you care about, you communicate with, right? The people that you, that you care about, you communicate with. You want to you know what's going on in their life. You, you want to know how their day is going. Parents, uh, some of you that are parents that have kids next door and cross kids, I, I can tell you uh, what their lesson is going to be about today. I, I can tell you uh, exactly what they're going to have for snacks today. I can tell you exactly what the activities are that they are participating in right now. But at the end of service, when it's all said and done and you get in the car, what's the first question you're going to ask them? What did you do today? What did you learn? Why is that? Because you want to hear from them how their day went. You want to know from them what God is doing in their life. Here's what we need to understand. You don't want to know it because you need the information. You want to know it because you want the conversation. And friends, that's what prayer with God looks like. God already knows what we need. The Bible is specific about that. In Matthew 6 and 8, it says when we pray, God already, he already knows what we need before we even ever ask it. God doesn't need the information that we are going to tell him, but God does want the conversation with us, that he wants to hear from us, and he also wants to share his will and his plan for our lives. Here's the problem. We want to know, uh, know God's will, but we never seem to take the time to ask ask him. We, we, we never seem to take the time to, to open up and say, God, converse with me. God, let's have a conversation about my life. God, let's have a conversation about the situation that I, I'm dealing with right now. He wants to hear from you. He wants to share with you. That's simply what prayer is all about. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about communication. And and friends, this morning, you have to ask yourself the question, where is my relationship with God? Your prayer life 
gives you a great indication of your relationship this morning. I can, I can use for an example. Anybody will know that me and Joy are married. And, and, and you can deduce the level of our relationship based off the fact uh, that we don't communicate. If me and Joy never talks to each other, most of us in here would say what? You got a bad relationship, right? How can you possibly have a good relationship with somebody that you don't talk to? Friends, we have to analyze our relationship with God in the same way. How much time are we spending conversing and talking, not only talking, but hearing from him in our lives? So Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, Jesus here is asked this question that we're asking this morning. Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus gives them a model, an example. But get this, Jesus doesn't say that you have to pray these specific words because this is sometimes where we get confused. People think, well, we have to pray these specific words. No, Jesus said this is an example, a model by which you should pray, a, a model by which you can, can follow. But friends, it's not a formula. It doesn't mean that if I pray these exact things and in this exact way that all my prayers will be answered. But what he's saying is, in order to have the proper communication and relationship with God, these are some elements that you need to include in your prayer life. So we're going to talk about them this morning just quickly. The first one is this. Prayer involves the right attitude. Everybody say attitude. attitude. He says, Lord, this one disciple says, Lord, teach me how to pray. This disciple exhibited an attitude of humility. In other words, what he was saying is, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't understand how to do this. He, he was admitting that there was something that he needed from God. Friends, an attitude of humility is the first thing that we must have when we come into a conversation with God. God, I'm saying, you have all the answers. God, you, you know everything. God, you know what's best for me. And I'm coming in humility because I recognize that there is something I need that only you can provide. But the reality, friends, is many times we pray with arrogance. That we, we approach prayer thinking that God owes us something. I'm just going to, y'all going to leave me hanging out there on my own on that, right, huh? That, that, that we approach God thinking that he owes us something. That we approach God thinking that we deserve something from him. We approach God thinking that we know we're going to ask you, God, but we really know what's best in our lives. Here's how we know that. We, we ask God for his will and then we get up out of the prayer and then we go do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. God, God would say, God, show me, show me your plan. God, show me your purpose. God, show me the path. And then we say, amen. And then we say, okay, this is what I need to do. Right? This is what I need to do. It's arrogant of us to come to the God, the creator of the universe, thinking that we already know what it is that's best for our lives. Yeah. 
friends, we have to come with the right attitude. Jesus in Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 9 through 14, tells a parable. He talks about two different types of people that pray. He said first that there were two men that entered the temple. The first one was a Pharisee, a religious person, a person who knew the Bible, a person who studied the Bible, a person who was held in high esteem. This Pharisee came, and the Bible says that when he came to the temple, that he stood up and he prayed this prayer. He says, God, thank you. He started off okay, right? Thank you, Lord. He started off okay. But he said, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a sinner like these other people here. (laughs) Then the Bible says that when another man came and it was a tax collector, he fell in that category of sinners, a tax collector who was seen publicly as a person who was not held in high esteem. He was seen as a person who cheated the people. He was seen as, as the chief of sinners, right? And, the, and, this, and this, this tax collector came, and the Bible said that when he came and he prayed, that he bowed himself before God in humility, and he said, Father, forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus says this. He says, I tell you that the man, the latter, the sinner, as we would say, went home justified before God. For all those who will exalt themselves will be humble. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that when we come to God already propping ourselves up, God, thank you that that everything is good with me. God, thank you that my life is perfect. Thank you, God, that I'm not like those people. Thank you, God, that, that, that I ha- I, I'm so smart. Thank you, God, that I have all these means. Thank you, God, for, for look at me, God. I'm, I'm handsome, God. I got a beautiful. Thank you, God, for all this. I'm exalting myself, and I'm not coming to God in a place of humility. And then we wonder why somewhere along the way, when we are, when we are standing in arrogance before God, things happen, what, to knock us off our pedestal. Oh, I guess I'm the only one being knocked off a pedestal in their life. Right? Because, because the scripture is true. He says, if you're going to exalt yourself, then there, you leave no room for God. But he says, when we come in humility before God, then guess what? We don't have nowhere but, but up for God to take us, right? That God wants to lift us up. But friends, we got to come with the right attitude. Friends, if you want prayer that works, you've got to start with the right attitude. And that is an attitude of humility. Here's the second thing I want us to see about prayer is that prayer involves the right position. Right attitude. Teach us how to pray. Jesus says this. He says, when you pray, he says, pray like this. Our, everybody say our. Father, say father. He says, recognize that God's position is your father. I love what he says, our father. That means it's personal to me, right? Right? When you're when when I'm talking to my my dad, there's my dad, my father right there. I'm saying that's my father. When I'm talking about your father, I'm saying that's your father. I can't have the same expectation out of your father that I have out of mine, right? Simple when I come, because we have what? A personal relationship. He is my father and what? I am his child. And he said, that's the position that we should put God up, that that God has given us through Jesus Christ, the access to have a personal relationship with him. He says, our father, the father denotes the relationship. The father denotes the head. The father denotes that he is the provider, that he is the origin 
of everything in your life. It's a privilege to call God our father. It's a privilege to call him father because that means that we have access not only to him. The Bible says that we have access to all the blessings that he has in store for our life. So we say, put him in the proper position as our father. But then look at what he says also in that. He says, our father, he says, may your name be kept holy. In other words, we have to honor him as father. That, that because he's our father, we have to put him at, in a position of honor. Friends, the father deserves the honor, right? We, we understand honoring people in, in high positions. The president comes to town, right? We honor the president. We, we honor who he is, the president of the, of the United States. We just don't call him by first name basis. We don't, we don't know him like that, right? <laughs> right? We say the president of the United States. They play the music, right? Everybody stands up. They honor the president. We, we know in royalty, right? When, when, when the king or queen enters the room, what? Everybody bows, right? We understand this concept. But friends, here's what happens in our own personal life. God says you have the you have the ability to come boldly, meaning you have access. But here's what happens sometimes that we come before God and we come before God forgetting to put him in the proper place in our lives. We don't lift him up. We don't honor him for who he is and what he has done. Friends, we've got to take the position of honoring the father. So at the father's position is to be lifted up. The father's position is to be honored and held high. The question is, is what is our position? That means our position should be a position of gratitude and thanksgiving. I come before the father. I'm not just coming straight out. Daddy, give me what, you know, parents, fathers in here, your kid come to you and be like, Daddy, I mean, no good morning, hello, right? Nothing, just like, Daddy, I won't, you know, you know, we, we, would, we would have a problem with that, right? Right? But what God is saying, honor me. Come with the gratitude. Thank me for what I've already done before you start going into all the stuff that you, that you want and you want me to do. Amen? I mean, how much time, how many times do we simply just pray and we just pray out of Thanksgiving? We just, I'm not even God, I'm not even coming to ask you anything today. I don't have a petition today. I just want to thank you for what you've already done. I, I just want to express my gratitude to you, Father. Because, yeah, things aren't, aren't, aren't great. And there's some things that, that could be fixed. But, but God, I, 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 I thank you for, for what you brought me through. I thank you for the challenges that, that have happened in my life because it was through those challenges that, that I were able to persevere and was able to grow in my faith, God. I, I, I thank you because even though I had to walk through that valley of the shadow of death, you were with me every step of the way. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that, that now I understand that the thing that I went through a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I understand now what Romans 8.28 means, that you, you took me through that so that you can work it out in my life for good today. Mm-hmm. I thank you, God. Amen. I thank you for, the, for, the, for allowing me to, just to see the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, that, that I was able to get out of my bed when so many people weren't able to get even up out of their beds. And thank you, God, that I have a car to get in to drive to church. Thank you, God, that we even have a church to come to. 
A year ago, we was all sitting at home. We forgot. And, and I think that, that that's a, a part of the issue is that we're so quick to just move on that we never take the time just to say, thank you, Lord. We, we've forgotten what last year looked like. And this year we should be thanking God that he brought us from that to even this. Yeah, we still got to wear a mask. Yeah, we still taking temperatures. Yes, uh, we, we still trying to work through this pandemic. But praise be to God, we're not where we were a year ago. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Attitude of gratitude, position of gratitude and thankfulness. Let me hurry on. So right attitude, right position. Jesus said prayer involves the right purpose. Now, it's not here in Luke chapter 11, a version of, of the prayer, but in, Luke, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he, Jesus intersects in that version of the Lord prayer. He says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, my father, personal uh, relationship, which art in heaven. I honor you for who you, who you are. I put you in the right position, but, but may your will, the right purpose, not my will, your will be done, God, in my life. First of all, we have to acknowledge that he is greater than we are, and we have to align our will, our desires to his will for our lives. I've said this time and time again, you want to guarantee that all of your prayers will be answered? I have it. Just pray for God's will, and it will be done every time. You see, the problem is, is that many times when we pray, we're saying we might get through to our Father, which art in heaven, but then we jump through to God, let my will be done. <laughs> let my will be done in this. Let my will be done in my marriage. Let my will be done on my job. Let my will be done in my life. But he says here, he says, he says, may your will be done as it is in heaven. When we align with God, guess what? The Holy Spirit then takes the position of taking rule over our physical lives. That means that our physical desires begin to shift to an alignment with God's desires and will for our lives. Mm -hmm. So friends, whatever we're asking for, ask for it in his will. Now, somebody would say, well, PV, I can't have desires. Yeah, you can have desires. But you ask God, in my desires, this is what I desire, but Lord, if, if, if this desire is not aligned with your will for my life, then, then I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I, I Remove even the desire if it's not going to line up with you. Because I ultimately, I know if I get what I want, amen, somebody, we got everything we want. Just think about some of the stuff you wanted in your life. Just saying. Just think about some of the things you were like, I got to have that. I want that. And we was pitching fits when God didn't give it to us, right? Like, I can't believe we was mad at God. We, was, we stopped coming to church, stopped praying, stopped reading our Bible because like God didn't answer my prayer. And now we're looking back and like, ooh, I dodged one, didn't I? <laughs> right? Right? So, so many times we think that our will is, is what best, but we know ultimately that the things that we desire is not what we need. Friends, as parents, you don't give your kids everything they want, right? That would be just, that would just not be smart, right? It, it, doesn't make, it, it wouldn't make sense to give your kid, your 12-year-old, your, your, your the keys to your car, right? And tell them good luck, right? <laughs> Have a good time. See you this afternoon when you come home from school. That, that wouldn't make sense. 
That's not, that might be their will. Jaden asks us all the time. He's 14, but when he was from 10 up, he was like, oh, anytime we get ready to go, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like going. He was like, oh, I'll go. That'd be crazy to me for me to give Jaden the keys and say, go to the grocery store, right? <laughs> right? Because I, I know what's best for him. Yeah. And friend, that's what God is saying. I know what's best. What did he tell Jeremiah? He said, my plans for you are great. Just trust him. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes. But trust that my will is going to be what's best for your life. So the purpose, the purpose of our prayers should always be that we pray in the will of God. And then we get to the part that we like. The prayer involves the right petitions. Because we like asking, don't we? Right? Sometimes we, we rush through all this other stuff so we can get to, okay, I did my part. Now, 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 now God, can we, can we? Have you ever had that person that, that, that always, that coworker uh, that always comes and they're always ready to jump to what they want and you kind of you stop them by asking them a bunch of questions. Oh, well, good morning to you. Well, how are you doing today? Well, and, and they're like, all they want to do is get out what they want, right? Right? Uh, and, and you stop them, friends. Uh, sometimes we've got to slow down in the petition process. Jesus here identifies three areas of petitions that we should be focused on. He says, first of all, we pray for the provisions for our needs. He says, pray for daily bread. Daily bread, bread is a general term that refers to what we need. Here's what's interesting. Jesus says, our daily bread. What does that imply? That implies today, right? Most of our petitions, though, are not just about today, but we're asking God for tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, five years from now, right? We're praying far out in advance. He says, pray for your daily bread. What is Jesus trying to get us to see? He's trying to get us to focus on today. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, at the end of that chapter, he says, he says look, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will handle itself. He said, you need to worry about and put your focus in on today. Friends, Jesus was about living in the current moment. We are in such a hurry to get to tomorrow. Some of us right now thinking about what we got to do tomorrow. <laughs> hey, man, you laughing because it's true, right? You think, oh, man, I, what I got to do next week? I got this, I got this. And, and, and you, what, what's, what's happening is you're missing the moment that you're in right now. And so often God is trying. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and, and you're trying to talk to them in, in that moment, but, but you can tell that they distracted because they thinking about everything else? Friends, that's, that, that's what happens sometimes with us in our prayer life, that God is saying, hey, well, hey we, we here right now. I, I, I want to I commune and fellowship with you in this moment. I want to provide for you right where you are right now. But, but, but God can't get our attention and, and we can't hear what God is telling us for right now because what? We're focusing on tomorrow. Friends, I, I love what God did with the children of Israel in, um, in the wilderness when he provided manna from, from heaven. And he said, I'm only giving you this for today. And, and some of them thought, oh, well, that's what God said. <laughs> that's what, I don't believe that. So, so they, they, they took it and they stored it up. And took it in their houses only to find out the next day that it had rotten and, and all that, right? God's got, because 
God wants us to focus today because God wants us to stay in the moment of relationship with him. We're so quick to jump to tomorrow, to next week, to next year, to the next five years, to the next 10 years. We're so quick to be thinking about when I'm going to be, you know, where I'm going to be in 10 years. Well, I'm going to be in, re- in retirement. Here's the reality, people. There were so many people last year that had those same thoughts, mm-hmm. and they're not here today. Mm-hmm. Friends, tomorrow is not promised. Mm-hmm. The only thing we have that we can secure, sometimes we don't like hearing that, right? It's right now. Mm-hmm. God said, be with me in the moment right now. I want to provide for you for your need that you have right now. Not only provisions, but he says petition for our sins. He says, Jesus said, to pray for forgiveness of sin. The privilege that we have to go to God and and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But look at what he says also in, in, in uh, in, in other versions of this. He says, that you pray for forgiveness of your sins as you, come on, forgive others of their sins. We come with the expectation, God, I messed up. I'm sorry, God, forgive me. Mm -hmm. And we get up thinking that everything has been cleared off our slate. But the problem is that there are, there's some unfinished business that we didn't take care of before we came and asked God for forgiveness of our sin. In other words, you can't get forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive. You can't expect to receive something that you're not willing to give to somebody else. Friends, that's just a biblical principle, right? right? We want the love of God, but we can't love one another, right? We want the blessings of God, but we can't seem to bless other people, right? We want the provisions of God, but when God provides for us, we seem to to not want to provide for the needs of other people. We want the forgiveness, but we don't want to forgive. Friends, here's the question. Who, Who have you not forgiven? Who have you not forgiven? Because that's blocking your forgiveness. Oh, I know it's hard. Like, PV, you don't know what they did to me. I'm just trying to, I'm telling you, right? You don't know what they, they said to me. You don't know how they stabbed me in the back. You don't know how they, they hurt me. No, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that God's called you to forgive them. Mm-hmm. What I do know is, is that, is that until you do, they have power over you that God didn't mean for them to have in your life. That I, that I, I, I do know, because you can claim, oh, I, well, yeah, I forgot about it. That don't bother me no more. Yeah, it do. Yeah, it do. Just start talking about it long enough. <laughs> all that anger and rage, start, all that start coming up again, right? That's how you know. That's how you know. Friends, God is saying, I want to forgive you of the sins. I have created a process for forgiveness. Jesus died for that sin. But guess what? He died for theirs, too. And guess what? Because he died for theirs, guess what? That sin that they did to you, guess what? God is saying uh, that, that, that I, I will forgive them also. So if I can forgive them, why can't you? He says, forgive. That's a petition. Petition to pardon sins. Pray for the forgiveness of sin, but also pray 
that God will give you the heart to forgive others as well. Then here's the the third petition. He says, pray for protection from our temptations. We all got temptations. Everybody should raise their hand. And you'll be like, I'm not tempted by anything. Yes, we all tempted by something. Amen. Yeah. We, we, we all got a temptation. Something. You, you, don't tell me because I don't want to know what they are. But, <laughs> right? but we all got temptation. The only way that we can escape the temptations that come in our life is that we need the protection of God in our lives. Right. Temptations can be so overwhelming. Temptations can be so attractive. Temptations, uh, they really connect to, to that desire within us to just to, to want to, to embrace them. We know they're wrong, but that's why they call them temptations. Because they, they tempt us to want to wanna do. Some of us are just tempted to just cuss out people. I'm just saying, <laughs> right? Just tempted. Like, don't take much. Right? Don't take much. Mm-hmm. Right? To, 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 just, to get you to snap in that moment. Amen? Amen. <laughs> don't, take, don't take much. Right? That might be your temptation. Temptation to, 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 to get angry. But we know there's so many other temptations in our, our world. And our world is growing in temptations and finding new ways that the enemy is finding new ways to tempt us every day. Friends, I was sitting there, I was thinking about, I, I, I was listening to something and, and it said that in relationships, we all know the statistics that in, in America, uh, 50% of, of, of marriages end in divorce, but that statistic is actually higher among Christians. That, 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 that there are more, that the, that the average of divorce in the church is higher than, than it is in, in, in the world. Um, uh, that 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 the that the average uh, of of some of the things that that we look at the world and we say that that is that's just bad things that that pornography the temptation of pornography is 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 higher in, among Christians than it is among people that that are not believers. Why is that? Because the enemy he uses the temptation to pull us away from God. Because we know the cycle, we get tempted. We fall to the temptation. We feel guilty and shame. And with that guilt and shame, many times we feel like we can't go back to God. Mm-hmm. And so we say it's protect us from the temptation so that I might not yield. The scripture talks about, talks about that, that, that God will provide a way out of the temptation. But here's the thing. You got to take it. Mm-hmm. Man, we all been there, right? We know that was a way out. We said that we know that's the door. We're like, yeah, that's that's my. Uh, just a couple more minutes, right? <laughs> right. But that, that God will 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 push us out the path from these temptations. He's gonna give you a way out, but you gotta pray for the protection. It's interesting that Jesus didn't go into a lot of other things as far as the petitions are concerned. Provision for your needs pardon of your sins, protection from temptation. I wonder if Jesus is what he's saying to us is that these are three major areas that we, that we need to petition God for because these are areas that strengthen or, or, or diminish our relationship with God. In other words, when I got everything I need, I'm good. 
When I'm in God's will, I'm good because I have what I need. Right? This world teaches us that we need everything we want. That when I got forgiveness for sin, that I have a clean slate with God. That, that when I'm protected from temptation, that means that, that, that there's not going to be things that pull me away from this relationship with him. Here's the last one. I'm running out of time. So, prayer involves the right attitude, the right position, the right purpose, the right petition. The last one is it involves the right expectation. Expectations is the act of simply expecting or anticipating something. We expect God to do what we want when we want him. But we should have a different expectation. Here are three things that we should expect from God when we pray. We should, one, expect that God is good. Simply that. Psalm 34 and 8, David says, Oh, taste and see. He's good. The Lord is good. In spite of all the bad, God is good. Question for us this morning is, do I believe that God is good? Oh, we, you know, the old church thing, we say, God is good. All the time. And all the time. Oh, some of y'all know that. Amen. (laughs) Do we really believe that, though? In the most devastating moments of our lives, the most difficult situations that we, we go through, in the most hurtful times of our life, do we still believe then that God, because it's good, it's easy to say God is good when everything is great, right? But, 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 but when we've lost that loved one, can, can we say God is good? When we find ourselves being, being, being in a position like, and I don't know if anybody has been in a position like Joe, where you've lost everything, family, you've lost your health, you've lost your wealth, but in that moment, can you still say God is good? Friends, the one thing that we can expect that is always going to be true is the goodness of God in our lives. That's the reason why Romans 8, I love going back there. He says that he works it all, what, for our good. He takes the pot and he takes the good in our lives, the bad in our lives, the ugly in our lives. And he will, if we allow him through the power of the Holy Spirit, will begin to stir it up and produce something good in your life. That's what God does. He produces goodness in our life. The second thing we can expect, we can expect that God will hear us. That he will hear us. That he hears, he hears your prayers. He hears your requests. He hears what you are going through. First John, let me turn there quickly. First John uh, 15, uh, sorry, first John 5 um, and uh, 1. He talks about this. If I can get there. Amen. First John 5. Thank y'all. Y'all are so, y'all are so kind. Y'all like, well, hear him get there, PV. First John 5 and 14, it says this, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Wow. Can I read that again? He says, and we are confident that he hears us Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, 
Verse 15, and since we know he hears us, when we, when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for as long as what we, I'm, this is not in the Bible, I'm adding this in, okay, somebody gonna look. As long as what we ask for pleases him. All right, there it is. There it is. Pleases him. It's about praying in his will. Expect God will hear you. Here's the third thing we can expect. The band can come. Expect that something will happen. Expect that when you pray, something will happen. Friends, do you expect that something will happen when you pray? Hebrews 11 and 6 says it like this. It says that, verse 5, it talks about the faith of Enoch. This whole chapter talks about faith. But verse 6, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. In other words, what he's saying is, is when we pray, we pray in faith because we expect that something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. What I do know is that God will show up in my life that I expect something to happen. In, these last, in that last group of verses, verse 5 through 13, he tells a story about the persistency of prayer. He talks about a man, sleep, locked up everything for the night, but his friend came over in need of something, in need of bread. And the man said, I, I, I don't have time. Everything's locked up. I'm asleep. I don't have time for this. And the Bible says that that the man was persistent. Is it not of that persistency that the owner of the household got up and he met the need? Jesus said, now, he said that in the human sense, when your children come and ask for, for you for something that they need, you wouldn't give them something that would hurt them instead of blessing them. He said, so if, if you're that good, can you imagine how good the Father is when we come to Him? In persistency and in consistency and say, God, meet this need in my life. That out of His goodness and out of His love and out of His being pleased with you, that He meets that need every time. John 15 and 7 says, as we abide in relationship with God, as we, as, we, as we connect ourselves with God, get to know him and, and him know us deeper and, and, and we grow in him. The Bible said, Jesus says in verse 7, he said that in that connection of relationship, you can ask anything. And he said, if you ask it in my name, he will answer. Friends, that's the power of prayer in our lives. So as we close.